0: Welcome to it, Inside the Yard. A couple of Orioles broadcasters chatting about the O's. Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold, in a big show today. Jeff, we're catching up with Orioles bullpen coach, a really interesting guy, someone who pitched 13 years in the big leagues, and Darren Holmes, and we really look forward to that one. Hey, you know what?
1: He was somebody that we had him on Zoom last year, and I think we both said to ourselves, this is somebody that we really want to talk to because he he's pitched in the big leagues. He came up through the old school. But he understands the analytics, he understands biomechanics, he understands the delivery extremely well, and he works with a wide variety of pitchers. We go into Cesar Valdez, of course, we talk about Tanner Scott, we discuss the kinetic chain and what that means and why your foot matters so much to your delivery and being able to command pitches. It was a really interesting conversation. We got a little wonky in there talking about some pitching stuff, and I really enjoyed the conversation.
0: And for our insider segment, Orioles beat writer for MLB.com, Joe Trezza joins us. Who so has a new article out just about the magic pitch of one Cesar Valdez, the changeup that can pretty much do it all. Is it one pitch or is it six pitches? So it's a really interesting piece and we really dive into it with Joe.
1: Yeah, it's like six different changeups and he breaks it down extremely well in the article and he talks a little bit more about it. And, you know, we had a, a variety of questions for him, like, you know, why is this one pitch so good? And he's like, well, it's, it's because it's six pitches and he throws some from a three quarters arm angle. He throws some from a sidearm angle. So Sometimes it looks harder and it, and it looks like a slider. And then other times it looks like a, a splitter or a traditional changeup, or sometimes it just looks like a, a slower fastball that gets everybody out in front. And it, it was really cool. And we, we talked a little bit about this how much is the setup of Tanner Scott helping out Valdez? Because Valdez's mystery pitch is really tough to hit. And a lot of hitters have had problems with it. Some have said that part of the issue is that the way it looks on video is not how it appears to be in the game. And when it's six different pitches, that explains a lot. But the other thing is that how much does having somebody who throws completely differently, up to 101 miles an hour, how much does that setup make a difference for Cesar Valdez? Regardless of, of, of the results, where we are this month, and you pointed this out when we finished with Joe um, Cesar Valdez is an all-star pitcher right now. He's been among the best in the American league in their relief corps, And uh, everybody's trying to figure out just, can he keep it going? What can he do to make sure he continues this run of success and can it be sustainable? And, and we go into that, in that conversation.
0: Truly a remarkable story. When you look at the career trajectory of one Cesar Valdez, you talk about off the scrap heap, watching him pitch in the spring of 2020 to think he'd be pitching to an ERA below 1 in the big leagues in 2021 is just marvelous it's why we watch uh, and before we get into our conversation with Darren Holmes i want to remind Orioles fans to come check out the Birds Nest and all new Oriole Bird experience during home games in April and May Fans can purchase an exclusive opportunity to meet the bird, including a socially distant photo experience. All visits are $50 with proceeds benefiting the Orioles charitable foundation. Space is limited. Book your spot to by visiting Orioles.com bird. Everybody love the Orioles
1: birdland orioles 2021 single game tickets are on sale now for april and may purchase your single game tickets and choose from popular promo dates including the memorial day beach towel and more don't wait to purchase last minute at the box office ticket prices are the same at orioles.com slash tickets
0: and joining us right now on inside the yard is orioles bullpen coach and really one of their two big league pitching coaches and longtime big leaguer darren holmes is with us darren thank you so much for coming on we appreciate it oh uh, glad to be here well, let's start with this bullpen. The numbers are terrific and seem to be getting better. Are, are you surprised by how good this group is right now?
2: No, not really. You know, th- these we, we got some good arms down there. We We got some fierce competitors down there. We got guys that are really, you know, completely invested in every aspect of being a pitcher, scouting, doing whatever. I mean, they do everything right. So it doesn't surprise me what they're doing. I want to ask you a little
1: bit more about some of the individual pitchers in a moment. But first, I wanted to ask you to kind of take me through what your role is as a bullpen coach. Like you're used to seeing, you know, the bullpen coach up there with the pitchers that are warming up in relief and maybe have a clipboard and and everything like that. But as those relievers are finishing, getting ready to go into the game as the bullpen coach, what are you talking to them about? What are you saying to them? What are you telling them before they go in the game?
2: You know, I, I think I think we can probably go back to before they they get up. These guys are incredibly prepared. I mean, we, we, we do a lot of work daily, every single day on matchups, on you know, who's gonna come in where, who they may face, what they should start a guy out with, what they should try to finish a guy with. We give them a lot of information that they that they really digest well. And so they're really, to be honest with you, they're they're really ready. I have all the scouting reports with me when I'm up on the mound with them. I always ask the guys, do you need anything? Most of the time, nine times out of ten, they don't. They know exactly who they're facing. They know exactly how they're gonna attack them. They know that they know exactly what they're gonna do. There will be different times when a guy will say, Hey, will this guy swing at a O two curveball? You know, the kind of some outlier questions that I get asked that I have to be prepared for every day. You know, can can I throw a first pitch fastball to this guy, you know? Just certain stuff like that, but I'm not giving them a scouting report. We've already done that before the game. We've already got, uh, you know, we have scout meetings. We bring them in. We put stuff up on the the video. All these guys are incredible about that. They watch video. They go on our analytic department, and they look at different things analytically that they look at. They come to me, you know, whenever they have a question or they come to me if they don't understand something and we go back and we we work together with it. But for the most part, these guys are on autopilot. I mean, they they they're they're all doing the right things. Now, now when you get guys like the, the young guys, you know, that we have in, you know, like Tyler Wells, stuff like that, you know, there's some there's some prepping work that I did with Tyler helping him understand how to scout guys to get with that are really good scouters that are right handers that has similar stuff to him and they scout together. Just things like that, you know, that's, that's more of the stuff that before a game, maybe right after batting practice, or maybe if they get there before, you know, before we go out, before we, we work on stuff like that and, and try to get everything dialed in
0: for the game. Darren, how closely do you work with non-relievers, your starters? You had to uh, be in the dugout for a stretch uh, with Chris Holt, leaving the team for a few days. How closely day-to-day do you work with that group, and how closely do you work with the pitching coach, Chris Holt?
2: I work with with Holt. Like, we're in the same room every day. We're in the same hotel. You know, we're together almost 24 7. You know, I mean, besides when we're sleeping, we run everything by each other. We work very tightly, very close knit on all of our stuff. We break down guys' video together. We do scouting reports together. So, yeah, we, we do everything very close. As far as a player standpoint, I work with all the pitchers and so does Holty. When we have I just happen to be in a bullpen where I I have the I had the relievers at that time and Holty's in the dugout where he has a starter. Besides that. We integrate with the starters and relievers every single day, every single guy. Holty's down there to watch every side that these guys throw, the relievers throw, and the starters. I'm down there for every side, everything the relievers or starters do. So there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap with me and him.
1: Yes, Chris is probably in the modern day pitching coach kind of group, and it sounds like you are as well. From from what we've heard, like you have an understanding of like pitching the major leagues. You have an understanding as to how to use the biomechanics, the analytics, and also you understand the old school elements of sequencing and getting ahead of guys and doing all the little things that are required to get hitters out. How do you go about balancing some of the the newer information than things that you have and some of the biomechanical type stuff with some of the the things that you learned and and worked for you when you were pitching in the big ones?
2: Yeah, so to me, my mind kind of works in small details. Holtys has small details and he has bigger details. I'm kind of a small detail guy. So when I'm working with a guy, like even when a guy's warming up in the bullpen to go into a game, I'll look at five pitches. I'll just look at his feet because the foot is where the kinetic chain starts. And if the foot's messed up to start out with... Everything else usually gets messed up. So I always watch the foot and then I'll, I'll go to the knee and then I'll go to the hip and then I'll go to the shoulder and then I'll go to the head. And, and Holti kind of does this exact same thing. So from an analytical side, Holti has definitely helped me a, a lot with analytics. I, I feel like that the stuff that the analytics that, that I've used in the past that I continue to use, there's probably a couple more things that I've got from Holti now, working with Holti this year, that I use I use more often now. Also, I got into analytics from the get go in 2016 uh, when analytics, when I was with Colorado's the first time analytics was actually presented to us. We hired three, I think maybe three or four people and they ran the analytics. We didn't understand everything. I understand spin rate. I understand, you know, a lot of stuff that is within the realm of analytics now, but the other stuff, release side, you know, release height, I know, release side, you know, the, the, the all the other movement patterns and stuff like that, I got to, to know. So I made an effort to spend a ton of time with the analytic department when I was in Colorado to try to get as much information and understand it as I could because we were getting ready to feed that to the players. And the players now are going to get something that they've never seen and they've never heard of and they've never done. And so I wanted to, to be abreast of everything that was going on that we were putting at them. So I could encourage it that I, I believed in it and I believed in what we were doing. And, and, and I've just brought that same thing
0: over to Baltimore. Darren, how much has it changed? I mean, you made, <clears throat> you pitched in the big league for a long time. How much has it changed in reality to the average fan, to the casual fan? Is it, something that's totally different to pitch or is it just a little different or is it more nuanced than that? I think pitching, I think it's probably,
2: I would go with, it's a little different. You know, you're getting, I mean, when I was pitching, we, our pitching coach came in and we did a scout meeting. Okay. We do scout meetings now. The the pitching coach didn't come in and give you this is where you can go O one this is where you can go 0-2, and do all the counts through all the counts the, the, these are your pitches you know we didn't have pitchers cards that they were uh, catchers cards that they wear now for the pitchers you know it has you know every count uh, what pitch is the best to throw in every count and and not that the the player always goes exactly by that because there's a lot of feel involved within your mental capacity of what you feel like you should throw at, at that point. doesn't mean that it's like you're just following a guy. You got a lot of good information that we didn't have back then. I think in, in a lot of ways it's, it's definitely helped us. I, I don't see a way that it's hurt us uh, as far as uh, from old school to new school. I think if, you, if you're an old school guy and I came up in an old school regiment, but I'm always hungry to digest new stuff that is legit and is something that I can pass on and understand to the player to give them confidence in using certain stuff. Darren, let's ask you about some
1: some individual pitchers. And I'm going to start with Cesar Valdez, who throws the, the changeup, which could be described as a million different things. It just depends on which hitter that you want to ask. Um, what is it that you like the most about watching Cesar Valdez pitch?
2: He is a fierce competitor. I mean, fierce. You know, his stuff, it's hard to explain. You know, I mean, everything he can do with a baseball is is like is like it's like he's playing wiffle ball. You know, he can make a change up cut to look like a slider, but yet it's a change up and it's seventy-two miles an hour. He can make a change up sink at eighty-one miles an hour and come back and throw a sixty-nine mile an hour one. He can do stuff that I haven't, don't think I've ever seen somebody that can do all the stuff with a baseball and, and, and get a hitter in, in to where he has no idea what the ball is going to do when it's out of the hand. I don't think I've ever seen somebody like him, to be honest with you.
0: Now, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, Tanner Scott, who is one of the high-octane arms in baseball, when you see Tanner, and I love Tanner, and I think we all see what could be, when you see Tanner come into a game and he's just out of the strike zone and he's struggled with it throughout his career in different times, can you tell immediately what's wrong and what he's doing wrong? I wouldn't say immediately. I, I need to see, you know, because sometimes Tanner can come
2: in and throw one to the backstop and then throw one, you know, glove side and miss. And then he comes back and he paints three pitches down the way. You know what I mean? So sometimes with guys, there, there's, there's certain guys that come in and that can just go right at you. And, and, at the, and that's what Tanner does. He comes right at you. And there's some guys that have to kind of sink into the at bat. Maybe they're not a, a, a very good first pitch or second pitch strike guy, but they're a guy that when the at bat's over, they've usually got this guy out and they, they, they've made some good pitches. And I would probably put Tanner in that bucket. When he gets into his legs and he drives and pushes force from midfoot back to his heel, that's when Tanner Scott is the best. OK, yesterday, Tanner Scott was more midfoot forward, which means that he was late with his arm and now he's trying to play catch up. And, and that's that's where you've seen, you know, all the stuff. Tanner came into our, our, our video room, our, our room and Holty's office last night. We sit and talked. We put him on. Uh, we put him on the big screen. We put back to back matchups on when he was really good, like in Boston, and then put this one. And we showed him what we saw. He said he felt it. And then he texted me last night, and you know we'll we'll get a some good work in today. You know, on flat ground, and then maybe ten off the off the bump and get him right back. He is a guy that makes quick adjustments, very quick adjustments. And he feels, he knows what he feels. And he says, I felt like I was going straight to my toe and that's what he was. So there's a difference, but yeah, I mean, we can see it obviously, you know, a- a- after the third or fourth pitch, you, you see something is, something's not right with him.
1: Maybe I'm a little, I, I don't know anywhere close to as much about this as you do, but maybe this is just an observation is it sometimes it seems like when Tanner can go to his slider, he can get that over for strikes and then that maybe helps him then get his fastball over for strikes after that. Why is it that maybe with him, he can throw the slider after he can't maybe get the fastball in the zone to start. Then he throws the slider. He gets one in the strike zone and then he gets the fastball back. What is it about maybe going to that slider first and then reestablishing the fastball later that kind of, how does that, how does that process work? And why is, going to that slider to get that in the strikes and then help him get the fastball commanded the right way.
2: Yeah, it's a different feel when you throw a spin pitch. And when you throw a spin pitch like he does with his slider, he's still throwing it with high velocity, you know, high arm speed. And a lot of times it gets them back to just throw, just getting behind the ball and throwing the ball. Sometimes like whenever they're throwing like glove side misses like Tanner had a couple of times yesterday, that's just the, the hand kind of getting around the ball instead of staying behind the ball. And with a slider, you can't get around it. You got to stay behind it. And that's the reason why you can, you know, you can get a slider, can get you back. A curveball can't get you back to your fastball, but a slider can, or, or a cutter, both of them, because it's pitches that you have to stay behind, just like a fastball.
0: Now, Darren, one thing I love about your career 13 years in the big leagues, you are a reliever's reliever. I think you started six games out of about 560. I find the job of a reliever to be perhaps the most difficult in baseball in the sense that usually when you come in, Everything's on the line. And unlike a starter, you can't have a dedicated side session, you know, every other day or whatever it is building up to your fifth day. So you really have to kind of feel it out in prime time. How do you work that through? I mean, let's use an example of Sean Armstrong, who looks like he's founded again, and his struggles early on. How do you work your way through that?
2: It's a slippery slope and you're exactly right. You know, it's hard. Like, you know, if you've got a guy that's scuffling a little bit, he pitched last night, like Armstrong did, you know, maybe a week ago or so uh, through 20 pitches, but yet you see what needs to be fixed. You want to get him on the bump, but at the same time, you you don't want to mess him up, you know, fatigue his arm anymore because he's got it, he's probably got a to pitch tonight. So yeah, it, it's kind of a slippery slope. And and so what we've done to kind of combat that a little bit is kind of the regimen and the routine of a of a of all pitchers is that they go out for bat for their throwing program before batting practice. Okay. And a lot of guys, you know, they'll stretch it out to sometimes, you know, 300 feet. And some of them will, stretch, will just stretch it out to 120 feet. You know, it just depends on the guy and what they want to do that day or, or what their routine is. And when they come back in, a lot of guys do a thing called flat ground. And flat ground is where you pitch. You come just like you're just like you're pitching in a game, but you're throwing on, on flat ground and you're throwing to a catcher. And so what we've done, we've kind of taken flat ground out of – after the throwing program, we've kind of taken that out. And if you're a guy that needs to get some reps off of the mound that we need to work on stuff, we take that, that portion of the throwing program out and, and move it to the mound. So he's going to get the same amount of pitches as he would on flat ground, but yet he's doing it from the mound of where he's actually going to be working from. So that's kind of really how we combat it. And we limit it to 10 to 12 pitches max and so they're they're fully recovered for the game but you know if they go and they they do flat ground after they're throwing routine and then they come up and they want to throw a touch now they just added you know 25 more pitches to to their arm so that's kind of how we combat it that makes sense during last one for me um,
1: dylan tate seems like he's got this stuff to take off and be a big part of your bullpen at
2: the end of games what does he need to do to bring it all together Really, the one thing that Dylan needs to do—he—he—he he, he needs to be able to combat the left-handed hitter better. I'm not going to say he struggles with left-handed hitters because I think—I mean, he—he—we he faced a lefty the other day and went one, two, three with him, got him out. But he has his arsenal is—is is movement into a right-handed hitter and slider away. That's kind of his arsenal with with a change up, you know, a change up mixed in there. What we're working on right now with Dylan is pitching—is—is uh, uh, is trying to get up in the zone with his fastball, with his two-seamer. He's not very comfortable throwing a four-seamer. A two-seamer is natural to him. It's kind of what it's what he does. He's moved over a little bit on the rubber, and now we're trying to get him a better line so he can throw fastballs up above the belt, you know, above, above the top of the zone. If he can get up above the top of the zone, it really opens up down the way for him with his two-seamer and his changeup. Does that make sense? You know, his slider's always good into the back foot to a lefty. That's always a good pitch for him. But uh, if they can eliminate the inner half and having to worry about anything on the inner half besides just a slider, they can really just look out over. And that's where Dylan gets hurt. So if he can have something that goes up here that keeps them honest up here so he can get down there, that's when Dylan Tate is going to be very
0: leaped. And he's working on it every day. Darren, last one before we get into our fun five baseball questions. Dylan made mention the other day, that you really are the ringleader in keeping the bullpen extremely loose. And it's a fun group. I know you've been a part of a lot of bullpens as a player and a coach, but how important is that to a job that's extremely stressful? It's incredibly
2: important. And, you know, I I really take stuff that was done when I pitched, you know, I'll always say I'm, I'm the inventor of a little and a thief of a lot, you know, so I take a lot of information, good information that resonated with me throughout my playing career. And I try to bring it into what I do in the bullpen. And I know how hard it is every day to sit down there and be stressed out, you know, because anybody that says they don't have stress when they go into ball game, they don't have fear, they don't have anxiety is lying to uh, I had it ever. I had it 570 times, you know, uh, because it's a stressful situation that you're going into. I, I try to keep it light down there, you know. We we do a couple of things. We have for some reason every time after the starter goes is walking in, everybody gets a ball, and we go up on the mound and we we, we roll the ball down and see if we can get closest to home plate. I don't know why they came up with that, but they came up with it, and we have fun with it. You know, everybody gets a Red Bull before the game, before the game start. When the pitcher takes the mound, you start clicking the top of the lid. And when it hits home plate, you open it. And, and everybody opens it at the same time. You hear all this clicking going on for, you know, until through his warmups. And then all of a sudden you open it. Kind of let them make up what they want to do. I like it to be light. The good thing about our bullpen is that they're incredibly focused on what they do. They're incredibly prepared every single day. They do their homework. They, they, they do a lot of scouting they're really ready for anything that you throw at them. And so for them to, to have some relaxed time, uh, just to relax and watch the game like we do. And, and then all of a sudden the phone rings, everything changes. And then they go into game mode and then the, all the fun and the laughing and the joking is kind of gone out. We've got, now we've got a member from our bullpen on the mound. Everybody's completely locked in on what how he's going to attack, especially if it's a right-hander. The right-handers are looking, if it's in the sixth inning and we're pitching Salter, the right-handers are looking what Salter does to these guys because Lakens may come in in the eighth inning and be facing the same guys, and he watches what Salzer does so he can see, you know, how effective that it was uh, compared to their stuff. So they, they do a really good job. And I, I, I believe the reason why that they're doing so well, it doesn't surprise me at all uh, that these guys are doing what they're doing. I'm not at all surprised. They understand how to manage their, their mentality throughout early in the game and throughout landing, uh, late in the game.
0: Uh, all right, Darren, time now for our Fun 5 Baseball questions. Are you ready? Yep. Favorite baseball movie? Uh, love of the game. Ooh, good one. I don't think we've had that one. Kevin Costner. Uh, What was your high school senior year ERA? I have no idea.
2: I have no idea. Actually, my senior year wasn't very – my my senior year was was okay. My junior year was incredible. But I I would say somewhere in the high ones or twos, somewhere around there.
0: Who's the most influential baseball person in your life? The most influential – probably Dave Wallace. Dave Wallace, old friend. Former Orioles pitching coach. Favorite minor league city to play coach visit? Favorite minor league city to play coach visit.
2: I really enjoyed playing uh, in San Antonio, Texas. I had a fun time there. I liked the city. I liked, I liked
0: the, you know, the, the ballpark. So probably San Antonio. And finally, name one talent or hobby you have outside of baseball. Golf. What's your handy? Four.
2: Well, it was. I'm not playing to a four right now. I'm playing to like a ten right now because <laughs> I haven't played a ton. But who's the best golfer on the team right now? The best golfer on the team. I don't really know, to be honest with you. We have a lot of pretty good golfers. I wouldn't say anybody's a scratch, but we got some. I play golf with the with the players a lot. I play golf with the coaches a lot. There's some pretty good. I mean, everybody's kind of around that, you know, seventy-eight to eighty-five, eighty-six range, somewhere around there is kind of where about everybody plays.
0: So. Well, it's that time of year. Uh, Darren Holmes, that was awesome. We'd love to have you back on again. There's, I'm sure we could do 20 minutes just on Cesar Valdez and his changeup. So yeah. we really appreciate yeah. it. That was awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. The
1: Orioles! Everybody love the Oreos! Birdland experience and O's game with convenience and privacy of your own suite. A variety of affordable single game suites throughout the ballpark are available. Enjoy exclusive access to the game with climate controlled interior seating, a private restroom, and comfortable outside seating. Visit Orioles.com slash suites for more information.
0: And joining us right now for our insider segment is Joe Trezza, Orioles writer for MLB.com. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Well, you have an article out this week about the incredible Cesar Valdez and his changeup, And I, I've read some things about it. Cesar talked last week. Yeah, I don't think he tipped his hand too much, so to speak, about what that pitch is. But what did you find in your research of this changeup, this magical pitch?
3: So one of the amazing things about Cesar Valdez, and there are quite a few, is that he seems to be dominating with only one pitch, right? He throws his change-up 82% of the time easily more than any other pitcher in baseball. Um, the changeup is supposed to be a pitch that offsets a fastball, but Valdez throws it almost, almost every pitch, and nobody seems to be able to hit it. He has a, a 0.96 ERA entering Tuesday, I believe, and he's just been dominant You know, going all the way back to last year, basically living exclusively below the hitting speed and throwing only changeups. So I, I started to ask the question, why and how? And the answer is that Valdez's changeup is only one pitch on paper. He's able to manipulate it through different grips and different arm slots and different velocities in a way that it actually functions like five or six different pitches. And so I thought it'd be interesting to go in and kind of do a deep dive and look at each different pitch that he turns his changeup into, right? He has one that that, turns into, that moves like a slider. He has another one that moves like a curveball. He has another one that barely drops at all and just functions as like a surprise slow fastball. And then he has a crazy like kind of classic changeup that just that dives down below the zone and he gets swings and misses on. So what we were able to find is that there are really five or six different dead fish, which is what Valdez calls his fa- his changeup. Um, and I can go into all of them if if you want to do that.
1: Take us, take us through each of the dead fish and what makes each of them special.
3: Yeah, okay, let's go into all of them. <laughs> okay,
1: so there, there
3: are six different classifications, right? And, and two of them are based on arm slot, the other two are based on velocity, and the other two are based on movement. And what makes Valdez so effective is that he can essentially switch between uh, different versions of this changeup from pitch to pitch. So he throws half of them, about half of them, 45% from a three quarters arm slot. He throws the other 55% from a side arm ar- arm slot. And the difference is about two or three feet. And so he could change his delivery in a way that actually fools the hitter and doesn't tip the pitch because the hitter already knows that a changeup is coming. So a batter can't look at at, at the way Valdez is delivering the ball and say, okay, he's going sidearm. Now it's a changeup. No, because he throws the changeup from sidearm and three quarters and he. Throws them differently, right? So he has what I call a hard changeup that he throws between 78 and 81 miles an hour. And then he has a soft changeup that he throws between 76 and 78 miles an hour, which might not sound like a lot, but it is when you take into account how these different pitches move. And he again mixes these up in a very balanced way. He he throws about, I think it's like 55% hard changeups and 45% slow changeups. So it, the batter never knows which version is coming, where it's coming from and how it's going to move. And then we, we can break it down by movement and the hard changeup tends to get a lot more horizontal movement and function like a slider. Whereas the soft changeup gets a lot more vertical movement and it drops like a really classic changeup. And that's just physics because, you know, the slower the pitch, the more time it has to drop. And Valdez throws 82% changeups. And when he throws it really, really slow, it functions like a bugs bunny changeup, dives below the hitting zone. And then when he throws it like a slider, it can dart away from right-handed batters into lefties off the plate. And then he can also cut it arm side to elicit soft contact. So we break it down further in, in the piece that's on Orioles.com right now. And you could see just how how much each version moves when he uses it and why it's made him so effective. Uh, you know, he's essentially he's essentially succeeding with one pitch, kind of like Mariano Rivera used to, but Rivera just threw the same cutter every pitch. Valdez throws different changeups, but he's throwing a change-up every time.
0: To me, Joe, there's a you know, center on baseball when they see someone like Cesar Valdez that it's hocus-pocus, that an, eventually the whatever it's, it is, because he doesn't throw 97 or 98, it's going to run out, and the hitters will figure it out. And we haven't seen that yet, not by a long shot. In some ways, it's getting better. And to me, I can't stand that sense in baseball that you have to be this one thing to be good. Uh, From what you're seeing and and talking to coaches and hitters, uh, is there a sense that this is just kind of, you know, something bizarre that will run out? Or or is this for real? I I
3: think that's kind of the main misunderstanding of what, what Valdez is doing, because he was just throwing 55 mile an hour ethos pitches every time then yeah the batters would be able to adjust and it may be more challenging for them after they see 97 from Tanner Scott to adjust to a 60 mile an hour lob ball but eventually they would do it because hitters are are great at adjusting their timing right and the pitcher's job is to throw that timing off but what we're seeing is that Valdez doesn't just throw one pitch he actually throws five or six and so there are very few pitchers in the game who throw six pitches, if you think about it, really, like only you Darvish is the only one. And Valdez kind of does, because they're all different and they're all distinct, and they move in different ways, and he's able to oscillate between them almost at will. And so he's really become the master of this very singular ability, and he's really emerged as a relief, a relief weapon unlike any other in the sport.
1: How much do you think Valdez is helped by having a guy like Tanner Scott often coming before him, who's throwing 97 to 101 miles an hour, and suddenly you go from that to five different kinds of changes. How much is the setup for, you know, before Valdez comes to the game? How much of that is part of his success with him and Scott doing entirely different things?
3: I definitely think the contrast has something to do with it. And it, it, another factor is is the fact that that Scott can be somewhat erratic. I mean, we've seen that lately, you know, not always not always controlling the baseball as well as, as he would like to, or the Orioles would like to. And it's an uncomfortable at bat in that way. And Valdez is really the polar opposite of that. He has he has excellent command of all five or six of his changeups. He can dip them and dart them and spot them wherever he wants to. And so whereas a hitter is kind of uncomfortable against Scott in a much different way, then you have Valdez coming in with completely different stuff and also a completely different ability to command the baseball and really attack hitters. So it's not only a physical adjustment the hitters have to make, but it's also a mental
0: adjustment and an adjustment in approach. Joe Trezza from MLB.com, Orioles writer, has a great article up about Cesar Valdez. Really check, check it out. I mean, Cesar, is one of just the best stories in baseball over the last few seasons and if you think about the orioles after april if they were to probably select an all-star team in the american league now you'd have the orioles closer the orioles ace and probably the orioles center fielder all on that team so some interesting things happening at camden yards joe thank you so much for your time we appreciate it
3: thanks for having me guys
0: Great stuff with Joe Trezza. And Jeff, just to reiterate that last point, seriously, if you were to have all star selections right now, I think you could make a good case that Cedric Mullins would be the center fielder in the American League. The Orioles ace, I don't know if he's starting the game, but he's certainly on the team. And then the man we've been talking about, Cesar Valdez, he has to be on that roster. That's pretty cool as we conclude April here.
1: Especially cool because think about this Cesar Valdez. Had not appeared in a major league game in three years when he came back and pitched for the Orioles against the Blue Jays last year. He got off to an incredible start. I think he had three scoreless, five strikeouts. This is a guy that bounced around, didn't have a whole lot of success in his first couple of stints in the major leagues, totally transformed himself with the Orioles. Talking about John Means, who he's the ace of your pitching staff and is becoming one of the better starting pitchers, I think, across the American League. You know, the body of work isn't massive, but he's been really, really good for. For an extended stretch going back to last september and then of course in 2019 what he was able to do there this is a guy that in the minor leagues uh was getting frustrated and had a linkedin profile created which i still think if you went on linkedin and looked up john means you could be able to find and and then you've got cedric mullins who had a absolutely terrible stretch in 19 last year started the year with the orioles sent down to the alternate site came back and was better So you're not only looking at three guys that could potentially be all stars and we got a long ways to go. It's only, it's only April, but look at the stories and the ups and downs and the, the peaks and the valleys, like the deep valleys that these guys have been in to where they are right now at the level they're performing. That makes it extra cool.
0: It's, it's absolutely true. And uh, what a wonderful story. All three of them as the Orioles conclude April, we head West. Well, late night West coast baseball for TV and radio, Jeff, Take a big deep breath this weekend. We'll see you back at the ballpark on Monday. And yeah, Orioles heading to the West Coast with a swing through Oakland and Seattle uh, on this upcoming road uh, West Coast swing.
1: We're gonna have to really get our eating schedules like Woo! figured out with some of these late night games. And I'm we we might have to call call a, a a service to send us something at some point during the game. Maybe I'll be a a wise guy and order you a Happy Meal or something at
0: some point. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Big thank you to Kara, our esteemed producer, for Jeff Arnold, I'm Brett Hollander. Thanks for being with us on this edition of Inside the Yard. Go play in the